Quick question. What's the world's tallest mountain? If you said Mount Everest, you'd be wrong. But before you send me an email, I did ask the tallest, not the highest. That honor goes to Mount Mauna Kea in Hawaii. Sadly, Hawaii has been in the news a lot over the past week. Usually when you think of fire in Hawaii, lava flows come to mind. After all, the entire island chain is volcanic. Nearly 14,000 feet above sea level, Mount Mauna Kea is not even half as high as Everest. But travel beneath the Pacific, and you'll see it has another 19,000-plus feet hiding. It's a good metaphor for what's happening in Lahaina on the island of Maui right now. It was indeed a great tragedy, but deep below it, God is working in millions of different ways to bring glory to his name and to help those in need. Let's pray his comfort continues. Welcome to Haven Today here on Friday. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And we're wrapping up a series called Let the Prophets Speak. If you read through the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, the overwhelming sense you get is not hopeful. The prophet is calling Isaiah to repent of their sinful ways and warning them of the looming pain and judgment to come. But something changes when you get to chapter 40, when the prophet speaks these words, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Well, today we're going to spend some time with Isaiah 40 to see God's great plan of salvation and the wonderful comfort that we find only in Christ. Comfort is a word many in Maui need to hear today. Last week's devastating fires are the worst in the U.S. in over a hundred years, and everyone was affected. Here's Pastor Cowie and his wife Shayla talking about the loss of their home in Lahaina with ABC News. You know, some people say, I'm sorry about your home. You know what? I don't really care about my home. (laughs) My home is replaceable. I left with what was valuable, and that's my family. You know, and it breaks my heart that a lot of families didn't have what I had to leave with my family. A lot of families didn't have that opportunity to leave with their families. You know, they died with their families. And, you know, my heart just breaks for them, you know. They not only lost their house, but their church burned down as well. But this past Sunday, they held services at a sister church. And the pastor had these comforting words to share on social media. I just wanted to extend my love and prayers towards you guys. And we'll get through this. Even in the midst of this tragedy, the Bible reminds us that God turns all things around for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, that he makes beauty out of ashes. And I just want to encourage you with this. Just put your hope in Jesus and we'll be all right. Pastor Cowie from King's Chapel in Lahaina. He's part of the Assemblies of God denomination. Their Convoy of Hope relief team is on the island right now, partnering with churches to hand out food and supplies that are desperately needed. Samaritan's Purse is there as well, helping with relief and working with families and churches to sift through the rubble. Operation Blessing is working with youth with a mission to bring in generators, gas grills, and tarps. When you lose everything, the basic necessities of life are needed. Pastor Greg Laurie, who had many at his Maui Church campus lose their homes, said this to CBN News. This is what the church does best. You know, we can shine. Well, what we do is we step in and we help people in the name of Jesus Christ. We give them food, we give them water, but more than that, we give them hope. 
And, and that is what we are hoping and planning on doing really in the years ahead. The relief efforts will come in, buildings will be rebuilt, and but lives are lost. And our work as a church on the island will carry on as we try to bring both help and hope to people on the island of Maui. Hope and help for Maui. That's what all of these churches and Christian aid groups are seeking to do. It is a physical but also spiritual operation. Why don't we just pray about this right now? Our Lord, this is a part of the world in desperate need right now. People still don't know if relatives are alive or if they are dead. The rubble is still being sorted through. Help is still on the way. Lord, would you be merciful and be with those who remain. May the gospel and grace of Jesus Christ be shared with them all. And Lord, be with those who are sending help and those who are on site giving help. And may more do it in the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Now, let's open the program with a song that's chocked full of comfort. In fact, you'll hear that word mentioned in the second line, He leadeth me, sung for us today by Salem. He leadeth me, O blessed thought, all words with heavenly comfort fraught, whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Lord, I would place my hand in thine, nor ever murmur, nor repine. Content whatever lot I see Since tis my God that leadeth me Step into my story, that's Selah, and he leadeth me on a haven today called Let the Prophets Speak. I'm Charles Morris. Did you hear those words? He leadeth me, O blessed thought, O words with heavenly comfort fraught. The words are by Dr. Joseph Gilmore from the mid-1800s. 
I'd like you to hear how Dr. Gilmore was inspired to write that hymn of comfort. He did it in the middle of the American Civil War. Here's Robert Morgan to read his words for us. He said, As a young man recently graduated from Newton Theological Seminary, I was preaching for a couple of Sundays in the pulpit at the First Baptist Church in Philadelphia. At the midweek service on March 26, 1862, I set out to give the people an exposition of the 23rd Psalm, which I had given before on three or four occasions, but this time I could not get further than the words, He leadeth me. Those words took hold of me as they had never done before, and I saw in them a significance of which I have never dreamed. He said it was the darkest hour of the Civil War. I did not refer to that fact, at least I don't think I did, but it may subconsciously have led me to realize that God's leadership is the one significant fact in human experience, that it makes no difference how we are led or whither we are led, so long as we are sure that God is leading us. He said at the close of the meeting, a few of us in the parlor of my host, Deacon Watson, kept talking about the thought that I had emphasized And then and there, on a blank page from a brief from which I had intended to speak, I penciled this hymn, talking and writing at the same time. And then I handed it to my wife and thought no more about it. She sent it to a magazine, and it was published and set to music. I didn't know that until one day I went to Rochester to preach as a candidate before the Second Baptist Church, and going into the chapel, I picked up a hymnal to see that they were singing my own hymn, He Leadeth Me. As you can tell, Rob is a great storyteller, and he shares the backstories of 150 hymns, including this one in his book called Then Sings My Soul. This book is a devotional, but it also includes sheet music and lyrics so you can sing along with the hymns. I believe Then Sings My Soul will help you sing the Lord's praises with a new sense of appreciation for who He is and what he's done in your life. After the program, you can visit our website to see the book for yourself, and then make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Or if easier, just call us after the program at 800-65-HAVEN. That's 800-65-HAVEN. Now, I want us to turn to God's Word. I want us to look at Isaiah 40. As any person living in the world knows, life is difficult. The common experience of every human being, whether you're a Christian or not, life is one of suffering. It comes for the poor. It also comes for the rich. Hollywood is rife with suffering, even though it's full of money and influence. The fires in Maui burned down Mick Fleetwood's restaurant last week. Disease and death come for everyone. Paul Rubens, who created the beloved Pee Wee Herman character, recently died from a private battle with cancer. And don't get me started about the divorce rate in Hollywood. The quote-unquote breaking news this week was Britney Spears' marriage of less than a year is coming to an end. No matter how rich or famous, suffering hits every single human being. It's something we've all experienced. I don't know each and every person who's listening to this program right now, even though I wish I did know you. But I know that everyone has experienced this. Suffering comes to us all. I've had my share of suffering, family loss, sickness, strife. If you live long enough in this world, sadly, all of these become yours. And when we are walking through these valleys, what do we need? We need comfort. 
So many people will tell you that what you need is self-help practices, or maybe a medication, or any other of the thousands of ways to work on yourself. Maybe you need a life coach, but what we really need is the right comfort. We need the word of the Lord to speak to our broken hearts, to restore our joy and bring us peace. All week on our weekday program, we've been hearing from the Lord's word, let the prophets speak. And today we're going to hear from my favorite prophet. Pastors and theologians say he wrote the first gospel. Janet, my wife, and I spend every Christmas reading through the gospel of Isaiah together. He was a prophet just before Israel went into exile, and he had a lot to say about what they were about to face. Thirty-nine chapters worth of prophecies on the coming judgment, the coming exile. Israel was going to be carted off to Babylon and face many years of exile because they had sinned against the Lord. It was going to be hard times. It was going to be dark. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord in chapter 30. To those who carry out a plan that is not mine, every one will be put to shame. These were Isaiah's words to the people of Israel, the Lord's word. The first 39 chapters of Isaiah are full of these woes, these prophecies of judgment. And Isaiah knew it was heavy. It was going to be dark for the people of Israel. And even in the midst of his proclamations of coming judgment and exile, Isaiah sprinkles in promises of grace. Just a few verses later in chapter 30, Isaiah says, The Lord longs to be gracious to you. He will rise up to show you compassion. Promises like that creep into Isaiah's declarations of judgment. But if you read through chapters 1 to 39, the overwhelming sense you get is not hopeful. It is looming pain and judgment. That is what Israel was left with. Chapter 39 ends with the promise to Hezekiah, everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood who will be born to you, will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. That's dark. That's bleak. That's a valley. Israel was about to walk straight into it, but this prophecy gives way to another, one that speaks to our hearts in a way only the grace of the Lord can. So let me just share the opening lines of Isaiah 40. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. In the midst of pain and punishment, Israel was not left alone. In the midst of its suffering, Israel was left with this promise, comfort, comfort. It's something we all need as we walk through this world full of pain and tragedy. We aren't in exile as a punishment for sin, but we still suffer. The words of Isaiah ring clear. Comfort, comfort my people. It's not a fluffy word. Biblical comfort isn't just the fall more comfortable. The word is used when David lost his child in Second Samuel 12. It's what Job cries out for as he suffers unjustly. It is a word that speaks to very deep pain. That exile to come was going to be terrible. Torn away from their homes, carted off like cattle to be forced to live somewhere that wasn't their home, 
and the Lord didn't leave them to face that imminent pain alone. The prophet spoke, Comfort, comfort my people. God stepped in to comfort in the midst of pain. I wonder what would happen if we spent our lives reflecting on this and actively believing it, clinging to it in the midst of our own sufferings. Would we be better equipped to help others who suffer? The Lord comforts his people. And just like he used Isaiah to preach comfort, he can use us to bring comfort as well. But there's something else about this word for comfort that we need to consider. The word is not just about wrapping a hurting person in a warm blanket or a comforting hug. It does involve that, but it's so much more. The word here is about empathy, to be moved to compassion at the sight of another in suffering. More than that, it is about entering into their suffering in order to comfort them. Do you see where I'm going with this? Comfort, comfort my people, can also be read like this. Out of compassion, go and suffer with my people. Enter into their world and feel their pain and restore them. Sound a little familiar? Well, that's exactly what Jesus did for us. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14 He came to us. Out of love he came to us to save us and to redeem us. He became that man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. That's what Isaiah 53 tells us. Jesus came to comfort us. He became one of us and then suffered like us and then died for us. But yet he rose again to bring us back to the Father. Now I hope that brings you some comfort because it sure does me. The Lord saw us suffering in sin and sadness. And instead of standing off to the side and suggesting we get our acts together, he moved in. He entered into our world. That's what theologians mean when they talk about the incarnation. He entered our world and felt our pain. And think about that. He was a baby. He felt hunger pains. He was born poor. He knew what it was like to not have enough, to not know where his next meal was coming from. He was betrayed. His own family didn't always agree with him. Even his friends abandoned him in his time of need. But he took our infirmities, all our sicknesses on himself, he knew what it was like to battle sickness, and he was treated unjustly. He was beaten, scourged, spit on, crucified, and he did it all for us, and he did it in our place. But he did it to comfort us. Out of his compassion for us, he entered in. His suffering for us also brings us in. The night he was betrayed, Jesus knew the disciples' hearts were troubled, and he spoke to bring them comfort. One of the last things he said to them was this, Peace, my peace, I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Comfort was his aim. In him we have peace with the Father, a peace that surpasses understanding, and we have access to the throne room of grace. That's true comfort. Isaiah only caught a glimpse of this glorious reality, but he did see it, and he proclaimed it over the people as well as over us. Comfort, comfort my people. That's what Jesus did. He came to us before we could muster up the strength to come to him. While we were weak, while we were sinners, Christ came to save us. He came to save the lost. He met us in our suffering and our sin, and he took it all to the cross. Our pain became his pain, 
our guilt was charged to him. And in him, now, by faith, we find our peace and comfort. So we can say, along with the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God that I need today is the God of all comfort. I need the hand of grace to rest on me. The God that I need today comes when I'm broken. He whispers life and peace so tenderly. I know He's holy. I know He's wise. And it amazes me that God Almighty hears me when I cry. The God that I up the pieces when my broken heart falls to the ground the God that I need today holds me together when my whole world comes crashing down I trust His hand, and it amazes me that God Almighty lifts me up to stand. So come, with Your tender mercy, come to the weak and hurting, come to Your people. God of All Comforts by Karen Williams. Here on A Haven Today, let the prophets speak. 
As you heard Robert Morgan share earlier in our program, the stories behind the hymns we love help us better understand why they've lasted as long as they have. The lyrics are rooted in God's Word, and the melodies help these truths stick in our minds and hearts. And when you read Rob's book called Then Sings My Soul, you'll not only discover or even rediscover the great hymns of our faith, You'll also learn the backstories behind 150 hymns he writes about. With the sheet music on the left and the story on the right, this book is a perfect way for you to have devotional time, comfort time with the Lord this summer, while also singing biblical truth that'll deepen your faith. I'd like to invite you to come right now to our website. Take a look at Then Sings My Soul by Robert Morgan. Make your gift at haventoday.org haventoday.org. And let me remind you that this is a great book to share with family, friends, or even a Bible study group. Ask about multiple copies when you call 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN. And just as we go, here we are in the middle of August. (laughs) And traditionally, giving is much lower this time of the year. And so I just want to say thank you to to all our Haven partners who have committed to praying regularly and giving monthly to this ministry. They help us keep the lights on and the air conditioner running, and we're so thankful for them. If you're not one already, but you're interested, we have some wonderful perks for these partners, so ask about becoming a Haven partner when you call 800-65-HAVEN, or you can read more about this program at haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks for joining me. Won't you come back again next time when again together we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. There's a common refrain that rings through the mouths of boys and girls of all ages. I'm hungry. It can be cute at times. It can be aggravating, especially if they say this 10 minutes after dinner wrapped up. When Jesus walked the earth, he took time to address those who say they were hungry. We read in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I realize that he was not talking about physical hunger, but our spiritual hunger points to something. It points to our need for spiritual food. It can only be satisfied in Jesus. Do you believe that he can satisfy your deepest needs? Get daily encouragement from God's Word with Anchor Devotional. Try it out at getanchor.com.